The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here. There was a temporary moratorium on no-fault evictions introduced last November in response to rising levels of homelessness. doesn't seem to have done that much good given that we have another record number of people marked as officially homeless in January in the figures that we heard from Ben there in the five at five. And the eviction ban itself is now due to expire at the end of March and it seems that the government will not be extending it. Richard Boy Barrett of People Before Profit, why should it be extended? Because there would have been hundreds, if not thousands, more of evictions over the winter months were it not for the moratorium. It's not the the full and final solution by any means, uh, but it put a pause on hundreds. I mean, the government actually estimated there might have been up to 2,000 more people evicted if they hadn't introduced it. And I think we are facing, if they lift it, thousands more individuals and families going into homelessness. Why? Because they're the... The pause on their eviction, which the moratorium provided, will end. The other thing it is worth saying, the government's moratorium was not comprehensive no-fault eviction ban, as was the COVID one, which was more effective, because people who'd received their notice to quit termination date before the introduction of legislation weren't covered by it. So, for example, last week I was in court with a family being evicted on no-fault basis from the house they've lived in all their lives with their two teenage kids, a working family, but they weren't covered. So they can be, and and were likely to be, well, it's not over yet and we're fighting it. I say, why have they been evicted? uh, The landlord is selling. The landlord is selling the property. And, uh, Isn't the landlord entitled to do that if it's the landlord's property? I mean, yes, but everywhere else in Europe, if you sell the property, you sell it with the tenant in it. So it's a it's a rental property. It stays a rental property. It isn't taken out of the rental market. But it could be bought possibly by somebody who wants to use it as their own home. Yeah, but then we have to provide alternative accommodation for people. I mean, and the, the, what we're arguing for is a temporary a, a ban on evictions until there are alternatives. I mean, that family have nowhere else to go. And these are people who are working people, paid their taxes, always paid the rent, but they literally have nowhere to go. There's no social... In fact, in their case, they're not eligible for social housing because their income is a little bit above the threshold. Uh, Jackie, who's the mother, said... I asked her, how many houses have you tried to find over the last year since you first got to notice to Queen? quit. She estimated about 700. Most of them don't even respond. And the ones that do respond, on the day before she walked into the court, the only available apartment that they could look at, if you like, was €2,700 a month. I mean, what are they supposed to do? What are they supposed to do? Carl Dieter from Irish Mortgage Brokers, and also Mm -hmm. as a landlord, isn't it the humanitarian thing for a government to insist upon no evictions at a time of crisis when people who are evicted cannot afford to find alternatives? Uh, no, but I'll say, I'll qualify that. The humanitarian thing is to ensure that we have adequate homeless services. Uh, that is actually what we have been funding and that's what we pay our money for. What isn't the correct response is to say that, A, everyone who who is asked to leave a property goes homeless. They don't, okay? That's just not true. And to say that we did this to prevent homelessness doesn't explain why homelessness rose every month at record rates every month that we've had an eviction ban. So the actual evidence to say this works is quite weak. To say that it's done elsewhere in Europe, again, kind of false to the extent that in Europe you quite often sign five- and ten-year leases. In Ireland, if you sign a five-year lease... You can't be asked to leave. 
But we don't do that. We sign one-year leases. The other thing is is that when you actually boil this down, you're creating horrific problems elsewhere that, that aren't as like well understood. What sort of problems? Well, the only way you can really ask a person to leave presently um, is to say that you want the property for your family or that you're trying to sell it. Now, let's just say that you have someone who's in a, in a relationship where they, they, they have two houses and they're a victim of domestic violence and they want out to get away and they are fleeing a pretty bad situation. They can't then get away from that person or else they have to go rent somewhere else or do something else. I've seen an example of a couple... Is that not, not an unlikely example? My relationship breakdown? No, well, relationship breakdown the violent element to okay, it. Okay, but why would you take Richard's terrible example and then question my terrible example? Okay, because so his is I, a real one that's going through the courts at the moment. Okay, I'll give you a real one then. Uh, we we saw a couple who basically they were saving to buy a house. Um, house prices have gotten away from them. They're expecting a baby. They're living with the parents. They were told, okay, look, you can move into the, the rental property then. They're being told, no, they're going to have a child with like in, a, in an overcrowded house now as well. So they, they can't move out of a situation whereby they're with her parents having a child there and there is a property that they could go to but they're except they're no. stopped because and, and, they can't and, and, replace and, and, and the, the tenants. And the people who are, who are renting out the property work in tech Richard, and they could be maybe earning as much money as even is, a TD. Is that fair that if people own a property and they want to put it to their own use for their own family that they're told no you can't that they effectively have to allow others to have use of their property? First of all let's start with the fact that there are now 11,700 people who are homeless and the vast, vast majority of them are people who rented in good faith and have done nothing wrong whatsoever, always paid the rent. Uh, there are small numbers of people who engage in antisocial behaviour and actually they can be evicted much e- more easily and the eviction ban wouldn't have protected them anyway, okay? But the vast, vast majority of people are homeless are people who paid their rent, did absolutely nothing wrong and have the right to expect security of tenure if they rent a property. Now, if people, and I'm not saying there aren't individual circumstances where a a landlord may find themselves in particular difficulties, and I do think we should accommodate that, but that is not the majority situation, the, the, the example of But how of the do you come to I mean, because there's other examples have been given of people maybe who've gone to work abroad for a period I met of the, time. I met the woman. I want to come back and they can't get back into their own home that they've rented out to people. I, I, met, I met the woman who was on the radio and she's a very nice woman and she's clearly genuine and she's also genuinely torn by her situation. Now, to me, to my mind, that is an almost impossible situation because somebody's going to end up homeless. And what we need is a government policy which says we're not going to let yeah, that happen. On. Should the right to actual use of the house not go with the person who owns it rather than the person who's the tenant? But but are we then saying that renters are always going to be potentially homeless? No. Because if we if we have a rental market that's like that, then we are talking about what is it, three hundred thousand people who will live all their lives in a state of permanent insecurity with their children and uh, so on, uh, always at risk of homelessness. It's just not fair. One hundred and fifty years ago, we actually had massive problems in this country with the idea of people not having fixity of tenure, and the laws that were created back then they still exist today. So if you sign a ten-year lease, that house can be bought by vulture funds, successive landlords, anything. You can never be asked to leave if you're in a fixed-term tenancy for ten years. 
So when we want to talk about policy, make sure that we fund homeless services to protect the vulnerable. That is an absolute requirement. The other thing we can do from a policy perspective is make sure we're building as many houses as we can. I think that that's something that, that Richard has a questionable record on. I have an article from the mayor. In the last two years alone, 1,300 homes in his constituency that he objected against. You know, how's about what those houses? Who would they have housed? You know, these are the questions that we need to ask. They're is, uncomfortable. Is that accurate, Richard, that you've well, objected the paper, so I'm to just the saying potential that, like, construction I, I do, of 1,300 yeah, well, homes? It is absolutely. It's been wheeled out several times, OK? Those were SDZs. And on principle, we opposed developments that breached the county development plan, right? Because there was a, there was a democratic planning process for deciding where uh, housing or buildings go or don't go. Yeah, but based, SDZs, sorry, but based on population yeah. projections that are hopelessly out of date, the development plans are a nonsense in many regards. Uh, no, bypassing the democratic uh, planning process is a nonsense Here's and it leads to cowboy development. And I'll just give you the sort of example of the ones I opposed. There's a co-living development has just opened in Dunleary, which I opposed. I'm proud I opposed it because we had campaigned for that site to be developed as public and affordable housing. Instead, what we've got is 200, uh, not apartments, but co-living units. At about 1,800 euro a month. 1,800 euro each. And you have to have a salary of about 70 or 80,000 a year to apply to become a member to get one of those, right? In other words, they're going to do nothing for the people who are on the housing list or who are affected by the housing right, crisis. Well, look, so I am look, proud I oppose those. Okay, good for you, and I'm glad you're proud. And, you know, Dunleary is in one of the richest electoral districts in the country, so maybe loads of people do earn 100 grand a year. Uh, what I would say is... <laughs> well, why, how can we got 5,000 families on the housing list who've nowhere so, to go then? Look, that's, that's a, a question that you probably know the answer to better than me. But I think at a time where there's a crisis, if you accept there's a crisis, you should bend those housing rules and start building. The same way, by the way, that we bend the rules when we're dealing with other crises. Like when Ukrainian people are coming here, we put them in situations where we, wouldn't, we don't allow our own people, but we do it to achieve the good and it's important okay. and it's vital and I, we should do I, the I'm, same I'm with housing. I'm coming to the end of this segment, but I do want to ask you, Carl Dieter, are you going to keep your properties given that there's a lot of landlords apparently now are giving up? I think I'm probably at my wit's end in, in particular because as rates rise and the way that rent pressure zones kicked in, like... My my situation has not been like a, a profitable one for a long time. And um, is it more expensive and, now to maintain? Yeah, the well, financing? rates go up, and then now you've got you know registrations every year. Insurance prices have gone up. Everything, and, and the thing, I, like I've got three kids. My dedication is to them, not to being a landlord. Well, Richard Boyne Barrett, what happens if we've? It's estimated that twenty twenty five thousand private landlords have left the system in yeah. recent years because they regard it as not being affordable to stay in it. What happens if we keep losing those landlords? Well, would, you, would you prefer to lose them? No, we've been arguing to buy the properties en masse. Uh, right, this is what's now called tenant in situ, right? We've actually been arguing this for about four years to get the councils to step in and buy, like where Tani House, with a 35 people, all working people uh, who are going so to be So do you evicted. think the state should buy all of Carl Dieter's properties often? If he's going to exit the market and he's, go- and he's going to evict his tenants in order to sell them, I absolutely think it is preferable to stay by them rather than those people be made homeless. But, Isn't you know, let's, let's you, be Carl, honest. He's not in government. Carl, I, I, I'm, 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 pain <laughs> of not making as much profit as he wants is not half as severe as the children in those families 
ending up in a hostel. Look, you've got my vote, Richard. In, in a secret sense, you always did. I always liked you, but the stuff you're saying is just mad. Like, how would you go out and buy houses in Dunleary that would cost maybe 700000 At the same time the as being, doing it already. At the same time Currently. as being against increased property tax, would it actually help to fund that? You know, this Currently. is... It's, They're doing it's a, it already. They're buying a, 10% difficult. of every... Yeah, but you want them to buy an enormous amount more, and that'll cost... I, I would prefer that they built them, right? And we are campaigning. And just, you know, on the figures Carl gave earlier on, we have campaigned for about 10,000 units in our area. To be built by who? Uh, Cherrywood, for example. We campaigned for them to accelerate the, the construction. Shangana, we've been campaigning for them to make the construction happen because there's been planning permission there for a long time. So we're campaigning for those things. But until they actually build them, there has to be a stopgap. And the stopgap is don't evict people into homelessness and for the state Last to step word, in and Carl Dieter. The thing about it is, it, when it comes to people before profit in particular, like I think I am fair to say that even if a person earns €150,000 a year, you would believe they should have the right to a state house. I, in most countries in Europe, there's no, there's no threshold on okay. applying so for I'm social just saying, housing. If you, if you can get behind that idea, you can get behind his ideas. Most of us don't. That's the way it is. Carl Dieter, Richard Boyd Barra, thank you. The week trending next. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today FM.